Live from Cape Town, this is the voice of the Cape. The voice of the Cape. The voice of the Cape. Madrasa on A. Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh and welcome to your program Madrasa on E, the Hajj edition. I'm your host Yasmina Peterson along with Sheikh Ibrahim Abrams in studio and we have finally gone on to the history now of Hajj and do know that you can send through your questions on our subject matter being Hajj on the number 072 2380712 that's the whatsapp number alternatively you can send us to an sms to 47913 do remember that if you are going to be sending through your questions it is going to be acknowledged but we'll only be able to answer it after three o'clock inshallah but for now i'm going to be greeting sheikh ibrahim in studio and then also allowing sheikh to do the opening du'a for us sheikh assalamu alaikum wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh sheikh how are you doing alhamdulillah sheikh how are you Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Thank Allah for the great favors that we have. May Allah grant us to be worthy of that great favors and worthy of those people who will lead, lead that path, inshallah. Amen. Amen. Now, Sheikh, we are going to be continuing on our program. That is definitely the history of Hajj, which I'm very sitting here in suspense as to what's happening next. However, Sheikh, you must welcome to do the opening du'a and then continue. Shukran jazakallah khair bismillahir rahmanir rahim alhamdulillah wahdahu wa salatu wa salamu ala man la nabiyya ba'd rabbi shrah li sadri wa yassir li amri wahlul 'uqdatam min lisani yafqahu qawli allahumma 'allimna bima yanfa'una wa anfa'na bima 'allamtana warzuqna 'ilman ya dhal jalali wal ikram assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh alhamdulillah thanks and praise due to allah always and forever and love and salam on our beloved Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the last and final messenger which Allah would have sent to guide us in this dunya for the success of this dunya and the success of the akhirah. Allahumma ameen, ameen. Allah grant us to be of those people who are worthy of that. Ameen, ya Rabbil Alameen. Love and salam upon him, his family, his friends, and all those who follow his path. May Allah grant us to be amongst him, ya Rabbil Alameen. Jazakallah khair. Can we do the opening du'a first? Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen Wal-Aqibatu Lil-Muttaqeen Wal-Jannatu Lil-Muahideen Wal-A'udwana Illa Adal-Zalimeen Wal-Salatu Wal-Salamu Ala Ashrafil Anbiya'i Wal-Mursaleen Sayyidina Wa Mawlana Muhammadin Wa Ala Alihi Wa Ashabihi Ajma'in Rabbana Laka Alhamdu Kama Yanbaghi Lijalali Wajhika Walayazima Sultanik La Uhsi Thanaan Alayka Anta Kama Athnayta Ala Nafsik Falaka Alhamdu Hatta Tarda Walaka Alhamdu Iza Radita Walaka Alhamdu Ba'da Rida Allahumma Hdina Sirata Al-Mustaqim Sirata Al-Ladhina An'amta Alayhim Min Al-Nabiyyini Min Al-Nabiyyina Wa Saddiqin Wa Shuhadai Wa Salihin Birahmatika Ya Arham Al-Rahimin اللهم اجعل الحجاج حجهم حجا مبرورا وسعيهم سعيا مشكورا وذنبهم ذنبا مغفورا وعملهم صالحا مقبولا وتجارة ننتبور يا نور النور عالم ما في الصدور أخرجنا وإياهم من الظلمات إلى النور برحمتك يا أرحم الراحمين ربنا آتنا في الدنيا حسنة وفي الآخرة حسنة وقنا أذاب النار وأدخلنا الجنة عم جنة مع الأبرار يا عزيز يا غفار يا رب العالمين سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين الحمد لله 
Um, as to uh, uh, the recap, we are now in the segment called History of Hajj. And for yesterday we looked at the building of the Kaaba and we said the, 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 the processes that was in there dealing with the, the Kaaba. Uh, the fact that some scholars says it comes, no, it was built by Nabi Adam. Some says it was built by the Malaika. Some says it was revealed by Allah as the Quran from the Quran. We then went into the issue of what happened at the time of Nabi Nuh, when the Kaaba was lifted. Some says, or oh, it, it it was uh, destroyed by the by the floods. And Allah Taala has then sent Jibril to be able to take the the portion. That was a pure white stone and place it in a cave that had to be put there. Subhanak la hawla wa la illa billah. And then we went into the history of Nabi Ibrahim. We mentioned lightly about the, the, the fact that the Skaba had a process that had to be developed. But as we said, for, for that to fit into its history, we need to look at the history of Nabi Ibrahim wasalam, or a portion of the history of Nabi Ibrahim wasalam. Now when we go into the history of Nabi Ibrahim wasalam, we find that this Nabi, Allah has made, has put many challenges onto him and he's given him the load to be able to carry certain things. And we mentioned to you the ayah of Allah in the Holy Quran, we said to you in Surah number 2, verse 124, 124 until 130. And we said, Allah says, Subhanak ya Rabb. Allah says to Ibrahim, because of the fact that Allah has challenged him, and Allah has given him certain loads that he had to carry out, he was prepared to fulfill that and to carry that out to the best of his ability, fulfill all of them. Allah then says to him, we will definitely make you a leader to mankind. A means that everybody can admire and look at. Some role model for everybody to, 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 to admire. As Allah says to us that when Allah gave this opportunity to Nabi Ibrahim, he, Nabi Ibrahim felt it was so something that he would wish to see his offspring also take to. And he says, and of my offspring, O oh my Lord. And then Allah responded by saying, La yanalu Yes, of your offspring, there will be various of them. Those are going to be like you. But there's going to be of your offspring, Ibrahim, who's going to not be like you. And unfortunately, we will not give them that, the process of leadership for, the pro, for mankind. Ya Allah, ya Qayyum. That is the ayah that we've mentioned there. And, but we need to let you, let, let us look at the history and the life of Nabi Ibrahim. Now, we will see wh- how far we can probably go with this. But we start at the moment when Allah asked Nabi Ibrahim to be able to take his family from the point of where he's been the first time. Nabi Ibrahim has a child for the first time in his life. He gets, Allah grants him to have a child and he's the age of 84. And here for the first time he gets, and he always wished for a child, he always cried, he always yearned and he begged Allah for an offer of spring. So when Nabi Ibrahim did this during the time, his wife observed this to our office. Until the moment she felt so embarrassed and so uncomfortable, she says to him, Ibrahim, if you don't mind, 
Um, I feel I'm barren. I feel I will not be able to grant you a child. For many years have we been together, but nothing has happened. So yes, I feel I'm barren. Nothing can happen. I cannot grant you a child. But Ibrahim, if you actually want to get married, please get married to Hajra. She then offered Hajra to Nabi Ibrahim. Now Hajra was her slave girl and belonged to her. She reared Hajra. She developed Hajra. She nurtured Hajra into the understanding of this great leader that was at her side, Ibrahim And she then nurtured Hajra with Ibrahim to be able to be a mu'min believer herself. A strong believer to such an extent. Thus, when Sayyidatina Sayyidat Nasara realized what is happening, she knew that he wouldn't be a man to be able to suit the caliber and the quality of this wonderful child which she's nurtured and reared her into. Because there's nobody else that believes in Allah Tara, around who wants to accept. And she, then she said to Nabi Ibrahim, can I offer you this child to get married to? And Nabi Ibrahim then got married to Sayyidatina Hajra. When he got married to her, he offered her as a, because she was now given as a slave girl from Sayyidatina Sara to him, Ibrahim wasalam, Nabi Ibrahim wasalam, and he accepted her as a slave girl and he said to her, I will I get married to you if you don't mind. Would you want to? And she accepted the fact for the marriage and he said with the, with the condition is my mother, my dowry that I pay you is give you your freedom and you are a free lady you are not a slave no more so I'm not gonna live with you as you are a slave woman and 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 and, and you the mother of my child no you're not a slave woman no more I gave give you your total freedom as the dowry of this marriage which makes the status of this marriage so supreme Subhanak, because he got married to her of a status where she came from a, a slave woman to become a free woman and she becomes the mother of his child. She becomes pregnant and at the time of her birth, now you can but imagine what happens to any woman, any man, if for that matter his wife becomes pregnant. Um, and in the case of Nabi Ibrahim, 84 years after his birth for the very very first time and he was married for many years for the first time Allah granted her subhanak la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah and so when Allah granted her this uh, granted Hajra uh, to become pregnant you can but imagine the excitement that Nabi Ibrahim went through the father figure the, the feeling the emotion until the moment came where the child was born. So with the birth of the child, it created so much excitement with Nabi Ibrahim to the extent that Nabi Ibrahim spent more time. Night for that matter, he'd spend the night with Sayyidatina Hajra. And so obviously, um, the next day, and the day he spends with Sayyidina Hajar, and so the next night he spends with Sayyidina Sahra, and when it comes to daytime, 
He goes over to Hajara simply because he's a baby. But what does it do to, to women naturally? Even thou say that the Nasara was the one who, who granted Nabi Ibrahim the marriage of Hajara, who gave him the opportunity, who offered her to Nabi Ibrahim. She as a woman became very uh, jealous. And this is normal, this is natural. Subhanak la hawla wa la quwata illa billah. Because Nabi Ibrahim's nature as any father would want to be around his little kids. And the baby was born and this is his first baby for, for whatever life had to offer him. The first time Allah granted him a child. So what happened? This created a bit of an animosity and a relationship in, in, in the marriage with Nabi Ibrahim felt. And he didn't know what to do when he turned to Allah. And when he turned to Allah, Allah sent him a message that he, what he must do. Inshallah, we hope to be able to go there. Inshallah, like she has said, we are definitely going to be starting off on what that message was. We are in the history of Hajj. And just before the ad break, she left us a little bit on the edge of our seat in terms of what Allah commanded Nabi Ibrahim salam to do. And for now, we are going to be finding out what that message was with Sheikh Tafatno. Yes, when Allah granted Nabi Ibrahim, shukran for that one, Yasmina. When Allah granted Nabi Ibrahim to be able to turn to him and beg him for the uncomfort that he felt with the fact that he has his wife, his first wife, Sarah, who felt uncomfort, slightly uncomfortable. And how do he, does he balance this as any man would do? How, it obviously Nabi Ibrahim turned to Allah and Allah gave him an answer to that. The answer Allah gave to him, to him, said to him, Ibrahim, Take your family to this far off village, far away. And Nabi Ibrahim then prepared himself with his wife and the little baby. And Nabi Ibrahim took them to where Allah has commanded him. It simply said, but the journey was long, was tedious, was uncomfortable. In a land that Nabi Ibrahim never tread before. And the heat, the desert, the severity, the uncomforts of the desert. And Nabi Ibrahim went there. And then he got to where Allah instructed him via the angel, where he must go to. He went there and he got to the place. When he got to the place there, the, uh, he had on his camel, at the back of the, 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 the hump of the camel he had what they call the haudaj where Sayyidatina Nasara and the baby, Sayyidatina Hajar and the baby was in and he took it off to be the, the covering on the ground for them and they could be there as the shade and he took off whatever he had of um, to eat and to drink and he placed it down and he spent some time with him. After a period of time, Allah instructed Nabi Ibrahim and said to him, thank, so to say, you've done what we've told you. Now Ibrahim, carry on, go back. And Nabi Ibrahim got onto his camel, wanted to get back. In that time span, Sayyidatina Hajra was now looking around what there is and how what what is in this area that she is and there was nothing to be found absolutely nothing 
only dry desert. He eat hot, warm, warmth that there is. And there's a lot of, or what we say, a, a, not a very, a, 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 not a sandy desert only, but it's a rocky, hot, when I say rocky, amongst the, 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 the sand, there was rocks piercing out from the ground, warm, adding more hot, and they were dark of color and almost glowing with heat. And they were, subhanak, sharp. So you couldn't just move around them as you want to. They pierced out of the ground, and if you wanted to walk, you had to look where you go or note what you do. Until Allah gave the order to Nabi Ibrahim and he left. She was then at that moment busy with herself and suddenly she said to herself, but it seems so silent. Let me look around and they found, where's the camel of Ibrahim? And then she saw him and she looked around and she saw him in the distance, almost like moving out of the valley, up the hill. And, and she saw that and she, she shouted, Ibrahim! And she ran after him. But now, as we describe what the desert was like, it wasn't an easy run. It was not getting there. It is seeing how much he can, can get away from, from the uncomforts of having to run amongst this, this desert. And she shouted to Ibrahim, why are you leaving us? Where are you going? Nabi Ibrahim, there's no response of Nabi Ibrahim. And she goes further, she tries to get as far as she can, or whatever she could manage to get to him. And she shouted and she said, Ibrahim, why are you leaving us? Where are you going? And she found that there was no response of Nabi Ibrahim. Then she shouted the next time, she said, Ibrahim, did Allah command you this? Did Allah command you to do this? Only then Allah, Nabi Ibrahim responded. Nabi Ibrahim did not look back. He carried on. He said, yes, Allah is, uh, has commanded me this. When Nabi Ibrahim raised his voice and says, yes, Allah has commanded me this, she immediately, immediately stopped in her tracks. Right there. And she did, did not then call on Ibrahim any further. She then turned her eyes and her face to Allah and says, Oh Allah, my Lord, if you have decided this for me, you know well what there is for me and I trust you. And she whilst keeping her hands up there and realizing she's alone, she plead to Allah for assistance and help. And then she said to Allah, Oh Allah, look after Ibrahim. Protect him wherever he is. Protect him on this journey. Make him a successful person. She knew the wonderful husband she had. She knew she, she was a fortunate person to be granted this wonderful status of being the wife of this wonderful man. Not only is he the husband of her, but he was the one who nurtured her, who reared her, who educated her, who taught her, who, who, who gave her everything of the understanding of life and the commitment and dedication and support that she had, that she got from Allah. And her only trust is 
which Nabi Ibrahim taught her the trust of Allah and she turned to Allah at that moment and she turned back and she moved back slowly to where she came from not long thereafter Allah tells us in the Holy Quran and here I probably can go to say to you go to Surah, Nabi, no, Surah Ibrahim Surah number 14 verse number 37 Nabi Ibrahim goes and then as he goes outside the valley there's a mountain path to the side and Nabi Ibrahim takes to the mountain path and gets on top of the mountain where he sees what's happening in the valley and there he stands and speaks to Allah obvious it was sad it was painful it was uncomfortable he's a man a father figure the world today would ask but why is he doing this why is he leaving his wife and children how is he sensible this is the command of Allah Nabi Ibrahim had his firm trust my Lord would not answer me if I ask him for certain things or he has got positivity for me in it and Nabi Ibrahim had his firm trust in Allah for whatever he did in his life and for whatever his needs were he turned to Allah and Allah has shown him the successes of his life and so when Allah granted him the reminder of he needing to put his family into this valley he trusted Allah Ta'ala knows best and would only grant me the very best and so Nabi Ibrahim went onto the top of the mountain and where he could see and look at down and he calls unto Allah and Allah records this verse of his calling in Surah, Surah Ibrahim Surah number 14 verse number 37 where Nabi Ibrahim says Rabbana inni askantu min dhurriyati biwadin ghayri dhi zar'in ainda baytika al-muharram Rabbana liyuqimu al-salah فَجَعَلْ أَفْئِدَةً مِّنَ النَّاسِ تَهْوِي إِلَيْهِمْ وَرْزُكُهُمْ مِّنَ الثَّمَرَاتِ لَعَلَّهُمْ يَشْكُرُونَ Ya Rabbi Nabi Ibrahim calls unto Allah Ta'ala and begs of Allah He says رَبِّ إِنِّي رَبَّنَا O our Lord إِنِّي أَسْكَنْتُ مِنْ ذُرِّيَّتِي I've placed my family, a portion of my family رَبِّ إِنِّي أَسْكَنْتُ مِنْ ذُرِّيَّتِي عَيْنِ من ذريت ربنا إني أسكنت من ذريتي بواد at a valley غير ذي زرع nothing grows there there's no there's no cultivation or there's no uh, plantation there there's no greenery there there's no life there there's no water there there's nothing there عند بيتك المحرم and oh my Lord, you have informed me your, your house has been here. And I've placed my, my family there at where your house is. My Lord, I beg you, allow that there always be people who have the heart and desire to get to them. That yearns to them, that yearns to come there, that yearns to come to that place. That yearns to be there and visit that place often. And grant them of the world's best produce.
Nabi Ibrahim sedua. Warzukuhum minathamarati la'allahum yashkurun. Rabbana liyuqimah salata faja'al ifi'ah. Rabbana liyuqimah salata. The purpose why I've left him there, that salah can be established. That salah for you, that worshipping you alone can be established. That you can understand, that you, oh our Lord, can help us to be able to bring about the establishment of salah. فَجَأَ الْأَفْئِدَةً تَمِّنَ النَّاسِ تَهْوِي إِلَيْهِمْ Let many a people from around the world come around, come to them and have the yearning to come and visit them. وَرْزُكُهُمْ مِنَ الثَّمَرَاتِ And grant them of the best produce of this world. لَعَلَّهُمْ يَشْكُرُونَ With hope and intention that they may be people of appreciation, of thanks and gratification, people of gratification, they appreciate the favors of Allah Ta'ala, Ya Rabb. Shukran so much for that, Sheikh. This afternoon we are in our segment, The History of Hajj, and we are in the portion she has been speaking about Nabi Ibrahim salam, and also looking at the tests that Allah has uh, tested Nabi Ibrahim with certain commands. And for that, we are now going to be continuing in that segment. But for now, for the short period of time we have, up until 3 o'clock, we will be continuing on our history. Sheikh Tafadol. Shukran jazakrakhir for that one, Yasmina. So, Allah shows us in the Holy Quran the dua of Nabi Ibrahim, what he says. But, but, but listen to the words of Nabi Ibrahim when he said, Rabbana, O our Lord, inni askantu min dhurriyati, I have made some of my offspring to dwell in an uncultivatable uncultiv- valley by your sacred house, O Allah Ta'ala. Kaaba at Makkah in order that you that O oh, oh, our Lord they may perform salah so fools so fill some hearts among men with love towards them and yearning and a craving towards them and O oh Allah provide them with fruit and with the, with the produce so that they may give gratitude and thanks to you O oh Allah subhanak if we look at this verse and you see there's so many things in this verse. The first fact it speaks about Makkah. Rabbi inni askantu bi min dhurriyati. He says I've left my family and obviously he refers to his wife and his child. Looking down at the valley when he sees this Nabi Ibrahim was in tears. Not tears of letting them go and, and because he's going to run away. No, tears of the fact that he had the yearning to want to be with his family. Not too long ago did Allah grant him this. But this is Allah's command at this very young age. The baby was still young, the child couldn't crawl as yet. The child is not the age of crawling. Very, very young child still. Uh, the, the baby is uh, uh, bread, uh, breast, breastfeeding from the mom, weaning from mummy. And, and, and there's no other form of eating for the child as yet. Nabi Ibrahim had with him water for the mom and for the baby and, he, and for himself. And he had some dates with him and some other little things to, to eat. And subhanak la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. So when he was actually standing there and making this dua, and Allah records this dua in the Holy Quran of Nabi Ibrahim, Allah shows us certain qualities out of this. And Allah shows us the fact that the pain that Ibrahim was expressing to Allah, 
to such an extent that he says, Oh, our Lord, don't leave them alone. Let there always be people who have it in their hearts and this and the desire to come to them and to visit them, to often, to often visit and see them, O oh Allah. Don't leave them alone. And oh Allah, whenever people come, let them bring of the world's best produce to this country. And through the ages, not in the modern day, in the day whenever people traveled, they brought up the world's best produce to be able to bring there to see that there is for everybody around there. Subhanak la hawla wa la illa billah. But Nabi Ibrahim makes it clear as the reason for this Allah so that salah can be established for your cause. So that the, hum- the human race can have that sense of worshipping none other but you. But realize that there is no God. Nobody can be worshipped. It doesn't exist something like a God. It belongs, that sense of God would belongs to nobody and nobody else but you. To worship nobody else but that they worship you Allah. And that they go down into prostration of admitting to the favors that you've granted them. And that they give you the honor and they turn to you for support and to help. And that they realize they've got none to rely on or to depend on. And none can serve them and grant them the great favors except for you, O Allah. Let the people come to them constantly. And grant them of this great favors, O Allah. لَعَلَّهُمْ يَشْكُرُونَ And Allah grant him to be a family and a people that has got gratitude. People who appreciate, people who, who think, people who appreciate, people who's active-minded, people who realize, people who see the greatness and glory, who use their common sense to appreciate the favors that you've given to them. Because when Allah says, لَعَلَّهُمْ يَشْكُرُونَ that they appreciate, that they fathom, that they realize and use a common sense to make them realize the great favors of Allah. May Allah open the path for all of us. Subhanak la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. This happens, remember we said to you, Sayyidatina Sara, Sayyidatina Hajra, immediately turned to Allah when she realized Allah has sent Nabi Ibrahim this message. But now she has also experiences in her total life as a young child that Nabi Ibrahim was a, as a wonderful person, wonderful in the sense that he would never do anything in his life except for having to do so under the command of Allah. And the wife of Sayyidatina Ibrahim, Sayyidatina Sara, has always reminded her Sayyidatina Hajra of who this Nabi is, of how this wonderful man is, and how he submits to his Lord, and if his Lord, Lord commands him, he does it, and he never ever would do anything other than wanting to serve Allah. And so obviously this made Nabi Sayyidatina Hajra submit immediately. But look at the process, not only did she do turn to Allah, but she made dua for her husband, and similarly when the husband left, as he left the place, he was making dua for his wife. May Allah grant us to be of those people who realize that there needs to be that constant relationship with us and Allah, and that we always make dua for our partners. 
Allahumma amin ya Rabbil Alamin. Amin thumma amin. For now we are going to be yeah. continuing on our topic that is still the history of Hajj, looking specifically at Nabi Ibrahim alayhi salam. And yes, Sheikh is going to be continuing on that note. And also the verses that were mentioned, then feel free for uh, to go into the Quran or maybe in your cell phone even for that matter and follow along with us inshallah. But for now, Sheikh, Sheikh can tafattu. Shukran jazakallah khair for that one, Yasmina. Um, yes, Nabi Ibrahim then made dua for his family and he, he turned around and he, and he went off. La hawla wa la quwata illa billah. For a, a period of time, Sayyidatina Tajira relied on the eating and the drinking of the, of the things that Nabi Ibrahim left her with. And remember she was feeding the little baby, he was weaning on her still. And um, then came the moment when there was nothing more to eat. And it's very hot and she had nothing to eat. She was now left in the, in the desert. The, it is very, very hot and warm and, and, and comfortable. And she, she couldn't, there, there was nothing else to eat and to drink. And the baby, and then suddenly, as there was nothing more for her to eat and to drink, and you know what happens to a mother that's weaning, she needs to eat and to drink because she needs to be able to have, to feed her baby. And she feels hungry, obviously, but she would eat what she could to be able so that she could feed the child until there was nothing more left. And during the, as the time went by, she looked around and tried to see what could she see around. And there was nothing much that could indicate to her. And like Nabi Ibrahim says, Nothing grows there. And so you and I need to understand that we look at life and we understand why are people staying in certain valleys and not in others? Why are the human race going to play, stay at certain places? Because if something grows there, then there's life, then there's water, then that people, then people can live there. But if there's not something that grows there, then nobody would stay there, because no life would be around. Life of animal in the animal kingdom go to where there's things that grows, because things that grows are then the, the feeding and the eating aspect for all the other kingdoms or the other animal or plant kingdoms that there is. But that is a clear sign that there is life and life is dependent on water. And Allah Ta'ala says to us clearly in the Holy Quran, وَجَعَلْنَا مِنَ الْمَاءِ كُلَّ شَيْءٍ Everything that has life, its origin is water, which means there is water available. So when Nabi Ibrahim said to Allah, at a valley where there is nothing that grows, no vegetation around, nothing that grows there, which means there is no other animals that ro roams around there. And that means to say that there is no other forms of life there. Subhanak. Can you imagine what it was like for her at a situation like that? And she's now feeling hungry and thirsty. And she feels the pain as a mother would do of not having to feed her baby. And she looked around until the moment came where she saw in the distance. There's two riwayat here. They says she saw in the distance in the heat 
as if they're on uh, 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 the nearby rock of a hill that was nearby, as if there's water on top of it. And she thought, if I probably get up there, I might get the water. The other riwayat says to us, she looked up into the sky when she couldn't find anything around her, and she saw some, like vultures or uh, birds flying up in the sky and then circling there. And then she looked up and she said to herself, if there is life, if there is birds circling, there must be somewhere water, there must be somewhere life in the distance then. And then as the riwayat went, she went to the top of the, the hill. She went to the nearest hill. She climbed the hill. That hill is known to us as Safa. And she, when she got there, in the one rewire where she says that she, she, was, she saw it as, as if there's water on top. When she got there, it was only hot heat that came out of that dark rock. And there was no water. The first rewire said, as she looked around, she thought, but probably I climbed in the wrong direction or I went in the wrong direction. We look around and she still saw the other hill not far from there. And she see also on top of there, it appears as if the water she looked at was on that side. And she moved from that side where she is to that. It says in the other rewire, when she couldn't find the water on, on the one side and she looked around and she looked up in the sky again, she saw as if this, the, the, the birds that was moving above her, as if they were moving near the other side of the other hill, and she moved in from the one hill to the other. So the one rewire gave her the impression that as if it is the wrong direction she moved, and the other one gave it as if she didn't see the water on the right side. And she went from the one side to the other side. And that is what we call Marwa. So she moved from Safa to Marwa. But the, uh, um, climbing up to get to Safa was not an easy task. And what she did is she left the baby at a point there where she near the Haudach where she was. As the place where yeah, she left the baby on the ground. And because the baby was now in a state of crying and crying and she was now trying to find something to eat and to drink and she went onto uh, um, the, the, the mountain on, on the hillside and it was a very steep process that she had to get onto the top of the hill. When she got up there she had to get down again and climbing down was also not as easy until she got onto the process. And she said to herself she wanted to get from the one hill to the other hill. And when she moved to the other hill she got to an area where there's the flat ground very near to the aspect of where her baby was. And she then went into a were moving fast there because she didn't want to, to take like a mom want to listen to the crying of a little baby Ya Rab, Subhanak Alhamdulillah, we will now be tackling that before we continue on our lesson again further on However, there was a question that came through last minute yesterday in which you were unable to attend to and the question here says uh, Sheikh is from the number 4704 I hope that this auntie is listening it says Assalamu alaikum Sheikh what happens if Mahudu breaks in any, in any other form while making tawaf um, yes what happens if the person's wudu break in any other form and obviously the person is referring to the fact it's not now because my wudu breaks because of touching 
which means I need to go to the toilet and to relieve myself. If it's of that in nature, then you need to be able to go and relieve yourself. Your, the, your, if you are making tawaf, then your tawaf, you, you, you stop with your tawaf where you want to go to relieve yourself. So let's say you've, you've completed three shows. You're busy wanting to start the fourth one and you need to be able to go and relieve yourself. This is hypothetical for the understanding process. The person goes to the wudu place where it's outside and can take a, a, a relieve himself and take wudu and come back into the, into the, the tawaf. But now he has started with number four but did not complete so he goes back and start with number four because he has completed three already, uh, three shouts around the Kaaba. He goes and fall in and carries on with number four and then carries from number four, number five, number six and number seven and that completes a full tawaf. I hope, I hope you can understand that happens with the tawaf and the sai. Pref preferably if you feel that that, that is what, what what your question has been like. What happens if the wudu is for if it is for having like to do to have to relieve yourself and that leave you relieve yourself and there's nothing wrong, you then carry on immediately thereafter. But the scholar says to us, if you go outside and you then say, Okay, I'm not gonna go back inside right now. I'm gonna leave myself and after leaving myself I'm supposed to have something to eat first and then I'm gonna go in, then that nullifies the first three and you need to be able to start from number one to be able to see that you start but other than that if you only going to relieve yourself whatever it takes you to relieve yourself and to take wudu and to get in nothing has been changed you only just have to the one that you ended off on and um, that one you put aside and you start with that one again from the beginning shukran so much for answering that Sheikh. and then the other question is assalam when you go for hajj must you have your will drawn up who can you contact if you don't um, the, the drawing up of a world is a necessity that we have as Muslims wherever we are and wherever but especially if you go on to a travel and you do not know what's going to happen at the end or during that travel so the drawing up of a world is a necessity in the life of a Muslim and belongs to the Hajj especially you are leaving a family behind you leaving your, your, your goods um, and if you don't have your world drawn up, then unfortunately it could create havoc in the processes of the time that we're living. Fortunate for us in Islam, in, in South Africa, you will be granted the opportunity if you draw up a will according to the law of Allah and His Rasul, then your family will be able to see that they will get the rights that they deserve. But if you did not draw up a will, then it can be very problematic for them. May Allah protect, inshallah. So the issue of having to draw up a will is a necessity for somebody who wants to go into a journey. If you, have draw, if you haven't drawn up the will, then you could go to a place such as the MJC, um, uh, and, and they draw it up for you very very easy or uh, you could even make contact with many other organizations that is of similar nature you could even contact myself and I could advise and guide in the, in the process Shukran, the other question that came through Sheikh says Assalamu Alaikum to the staff of EOC and Sheikh Ibrahim Abrams my question is yesterday Sheikh said we follow Quran and Sunnah Alhamdulillah I fully agree now Mother Hubs aside now I want to know where does the Qunud come in I was in Makkah Alhamdulillah Shukr Allah. In Makkah, there is no kunut in Fajr, but there is a witter. In Cape Town, we have kunut in Fajr. So, is kunut important? If so, what is the proper way? Shukran Jazakrahi for that question. And I think I just need to rectify myself and for everybody. Sometimes uh, people are under the impression that I say don't follow mothers. 
I don't say that and I haven't said that. I want to emphasize that we give honor and dignity as long as there is Quran and Hadith. We put that in front of all Madai that we need to be able to listen to what Imam Shafi has to say. But Imam Abu Hanifa says the same. Imam Malik says the same. Imam Ahmad Hanbal, they say the same. You know what they say? They say, if, you, if I have a saying, if I say something, if I have a call which I tell you, you must do, but you find a hadith different to me from, from the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, then reject my words immediately, push it aside, don't even consider it, and you take to the hadith immediately if you find a hadith, which is a sound hadith. Very strongly saying to us that they, the, the, the ulama with the depth of knowledge, say to themselves, there's the possibility that I could have made a statement and there could have been a fact that I did not meet up with hadith in my time to be able to guide you. Now, we're not here bitter than them, Allah, but we recognize them as great scholars. We appreciate them. We honor them. We give reverence to them. But at time, as they've said, if you find something in Michael different to what is a hadith, then don't even consider whatever I say. You discard it immediately. You discard it immediately and you do not consider your, that the fact that you are following a madhab. This is what they say. You don't become a fanatic of a, a madhab and how fast you are a madhab and feel you're going to die. Nay, instead, you need as a Muslim to hold fast to the sunnah of the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and nothing is to be compared if it is the hadith has been proven to be fact we do not consider anything other because that's what the scholars have taught us they the great scholars with the great knowledge as it you do not consider my word my word is nonsensical it's of no advantage it's of no benefit to yours if you find the hadith from the nabi muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam and you do not consider you don't say even button and you immediately take to that hadith and you reject my call in totality these are the great scholars so are we not here to fight against the, 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 the madhahib the madhahib is very good for us and for that matter Imam Shafi speaks about a madhahib in his madhahib he tells about the kunut and so yes and he gets that kunut he doesn't have anything about the kunut in his madhahib that doesn't come from a hadith of the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So you and I need to understand where does these things come from. The kunut of Imam Shafi'i and the kunut of all the a'immah speaks of the madhab. They speak in the madhab about it, but it comes from the hadith of the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And there's certain places where it is, or certain scholars says it's to happen in the waqt of Fajr and others not. A person like Imam Shafi'i says it's indeed for us to have it in Fajr at least every day. And he claims the fact that we need because we are in constant need of Allah's help and assistance. And thus he has taught us words to be able to say in our kunut, which is very, very good. But we could also be doing the kunut in the Maghrib Salah or the Dhur Salah or the Asr Salah or the Fajr Salah or any Salah or all the Salawat that we're doing. We could be performing and there's nothing wrong in having to do it that way. Right? Sheikh, shukran so much for clarifying that. Sheikh, there is a question that came through. It says, Assalamu alaikum. How does one do hudu with a colostomy bag? 
It fills while I salah and when I empty it. Please advise. Okay. Can I just go back to the question that was asked prior to this one? Yeah, sure. Uh, Chef, want me to repeat the question again? Just repeat the question because I've answered a portion of that and just want to be the other portion. No problem. I can definitely go back to that. It says, Assalamu alaikum, the staff of Voice of the Cape and Sheikh Ibrahim Abrams. My question is, yesterday Sheikh said we follow Quran and Sunnah. Alhamdulillah, I fully agree. Now, Mother has a side. Now, I want to know where does the kunud come in? I was in Makkah. Alhamdulillah, shukr to Allah. In Makkah, there is no kunud in Fajr, but Witter. In Cape Town, we have kunud in Fajr. So, is kunud important? If so, what is the proper way? Okay. Um, w- what we have at least answered to the person is the fact that how we need to look at what happens to Madhab. The fact that you and I are Muslim, we must follow Quran and we must follow Sunnah. If we do not, if we have a question about that, we probably could enter into the field of Kufr. And we will not be considered as Muslims by Allah Ta'ala. That is how dangerous it is. So our submission to Allah and His Messenger Muhammad is fundamental and foremost above all madhahib. A madhab doesn't exist, has got of no value, if there is not honor and dignity given to Allah and His Messenger first and foremost, which means the Quran supersedes all information and the words of the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is more important than any saying of any madhab or any faqih or anybody of that nature as a scholar, even me. Oh, well, I'm not even worthy a scholar. I'm a weak slave of Allah Ta'ala. May Allah protect all of us, inshallah. But, but what makes me Muslim, makes you Muslim, and everybody else what makes us Muslim, is submission to Allah, and submission, in total submission, to our beloved Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Let's listen to Allah. Ati Allah. You worship Allah. Give, Allah gives a command. You see that you worship Allah. Wa'ati or Rasul, and you be obedient to His Messenger when He commands and demands and uh, or reprimand, reprimand or advise or re, uh, uh, ask you to abstain. You do so. You obedient to what He says. Obedient to Allah and obedient to His Messenger. Ati Allah wa Ati Rasul. In the, in the words of Allah in the Holy Quran, He wants us to understand our submission to the one Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa of such a nature that He says, Whosoever is obedient to His Messenger, فَقَدْ أَطَاءَ اللَّهِ Then that is the highest level of submission to Allah Ta'ala. فَقَدْ أَطَاءَ اللَّهِ For surely it is true and uprighteous and full submission to Allah Ta'ala. Which means the advice of Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam with Allah's command is the highest level of submission to Allah Ta'ala. Subhanak. And which means nobody would be able to come with a better advice for my for mankind. And no human being can dream the thought of Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam this and that and the other. No. He is the highest level and Allah has selected him and Allah has put him onto that standard and everybody and anybody other than him is of no way a comparison in any sense. In every sense there's no means of comparison via anybody in this world and Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So the dream of having to say Shafi'i or Hanafi or Hanhamani is in no way a sense of understanding its reality if we do not first say submission to Allah and submission to his messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. I think that is out of the way. The process of understanding what happens to the issue of Qunut, 
I think we understand that Kunut now is the fact that it comes from our Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. But our Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam did not do the Kunut on a continuous basis every day, every day, every day. That is not the Sunnah tariqah of Kunut. Remember, nobody can teach us better than Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. No disrespect to all the scholars. We have respect for them. But nobody can come up with words and advice and guidance superior to that come from more than Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. If he says you need to do it every day, then we do it every day. If he doesn't say it that, then that is the best for us. If he shows us when and how, we do it as to the when and the how of his advice. And that is what we do. But he has given us permission to do it right through the day, any day, every day. Uh, uh, when the circumstances is in place and we need to go out and find what is those circumstances that allows us to see that Kunud becomes part of our life. Bella grant us to be able to grow and recognize and understand that we as Muslims have been, been given guidance but we human be as human as we are we also uh, we make faults and we have errors and shortcomings. May Allah grant us this best for us for dunya and for akhirah. Shukran for that question and that, uh, that answer to I hope I've answered the question fully for that person. Alhamdulillah, shukran so much for answering, Sheikh. And then the next question is with regards to also a question that came through. And it says, Assalamu Sheikh, how does one do hudu with a colostomy bag if it fills while I salah and when I empty it? Okay, uh, a colostomy bag is obviously what we come to understand, a bag wherein a person's... Uh, uh, um, the, 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 the issues of the, 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 the body, the de detoxification of the body comes out onto that bag and the person is actually busy with salah. What happens in that case? And while the person is busy in salah, the thing folds up, which means it, 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 comes into, it comes in there. What needs to happen, the scholar says to us, that, that person needs to take wudu on the last minute. And he takes wudu and he goes and performs his salah and whatever happens in his salah because he it happens in there it's not in public it's not open it's not it doesn't come out of the body so in that case it's considered as if inside the body and then that person all he does he just completes his salah when his last salah is completed Alhamdulillah, then he has fulfilled what he had to do by Allah Ta'ala. And there's nothing against him, except for the fact that if we want to do a next, a next salah, then he needs to be able to have another wudu taken for that moment. Shukran so he needs to take wudu on every salah, every time, and every time he wants to change, he needs to see every uh, uh, salah completed. Then for the next salah, he needs to perform another uh, wudu. Okay, excellent. The other question that came through, Sheikh, is another question that came through. And it says, yes, salam, Sheikh, and everyone on board. If the doctors say that you're not fit to travel or go for Hajj due to your illness, and you were just released from hospital, but you still went for Hajj, what is, what can be done here? Kindly advise. Yeah, well, um, there's not much I can say if the person still has gone, because the person has gone. Now you and I need to understand what we call the qada and qadr of Allah. The qada and qadr of Allah is, if Allah wants something to happen, no matter who says what or what says who, and whoever is whatever they are, nothing can happen on this dunya except for what Allah decrees. If the doctor says you may not, then you may not. But can you? you but you can. 
This is the difference between you may do something and you can do something, isn't it so? So you can decide whether you want to and the doctor may tell you X, Y and Z. And he says to you, you may or you may not, but he cannot say to you, you cannot go, right? And so the person chooses that. So which shows us the, the, the may and may not go is what the doctor would advise because they advise certain things. But the decree of Allah happens only with what Allah wants to happen with you and me. So the person who has gone could not have gone if Allah did not decree his going. So he went because Allah has decreed he must go. So does it mean that he will go and he will die there or he will make himself more sick? That is if Allah wants that, it will happen that way. Will he become better and stronger even if it happens against what the doctor has said? That all depends on what Allah has in store for that person. May Allah open the path. So we need to understand that the medical fraternity gives the advice, the advice and they give the advice to what is best for them. But they, do, they are not the Lord of the universe. They do not know all depth. They know certain things and they have extreme limitations. That is Allah's qadar. They have extreme limitations. They, in their limitations they advise. So the, the, the one who has, get, has the answer of all things is only the Lord of the universe. May Allah open the path for all of us, inshallah. Shukran so much for that, Sheikh. And then another question has come through with regards to the previous question. And it says here, for, for the clarity on the salah with the colostomy bag, does the person perform a fresh wudu to make the sunnah salahs for the waqt also? Now, in that case, the person of the Colossal bag, if he, needs, if he has to, uh, uh, that person has taken wudu for the fart salah, he performs the fart salah, and then that brings it to the end. If he wants to form another fart salah, he does that. Now, usually that person is, what we say, in a, a, a process that, that uh, he cannot claim that he's complete. He takes the wudu simply on the last minute to be able to do the salah immediately because he doesn't know what's going to happen. And he plea, hope and pray Allah's going to accept from him. Right? May Allah accept from all of us, inshallah. He is especially a sick person, so Allah accepts from him. If he feels he wants to do a sunnah salah, he can do the sunnah salah. Right? Um, but he doesn't need to take a wudu on the, 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 what the scholar says, the need for him is like somebody who has the running water from, uh, uh, he, 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 has, he excretes uh, the, the, the urine on, on a flow basis and he, he takes stinger and he takes wudu immediately and he performs salat salah immediately. So if he feels he wants to do it, because he doesn't know what would happen during his salah, would he get dirty or not? So if he performs a sunnah salah immediately thereafter, hoping Allah to accept, but the fart is a necessity, so that's the reason why the fart needs to, every, every time he does the fart, he needs to take a fresh wudu. Shukran so much for that, Sheikh, and shukran to everyone who sent through your questions on our WhatsApp. That then now concludes our question and answer session with Sheikh Ibrahim Abrams. And for now, we are going to be continuing as to where we stopped in terms of the history of Hajj. And we were looking at uh, Sayyidina Hajira, inshallah. We were looking at Sayyidina Hajira moving from Safa to Marwa, and yes, she can continue inshallah. Shukran jazakallah khair. We indicated very much the fact that what happened with the, for our understanding process, the incline to Safa is a very steep incline. What do we mean is a steep incline? It's not an easy climbing process, and it's very, very steep to climb up, and she took a time to get onto Safa. And now obviously getting down it, the, 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 the incline or the decline, it's, it's equally, equally steep. So she finds it difficult to get down 
And then when she goes off to the Marwa section, between Safa and Marwa, she's on almost flat ground, very near to where the baby is. She hears the child crying, and she then moves at, at, the, at the speed to put in action to get away from that. And this is what is known to us during the Dawaf and the Sai called the Ramal. She did the Ramal act there and she moved on. And what is so beautiful for us to know is the fact that our Nabi wasallam, who came to teach us, took to that as what Allah says in the Holy Quran. In Surah number 2, 158. إِنَّ الصَّفَى وَالْمَرْوَةَ مِنْ شَاعَائِرِ اللَّهِ فَمَنْ حَجَّ الْبَيْتَ أَوْ اعْتَمَرَ فَلَا جُنَاحَ عَلَيْهِ أَيَّ تَوَّفَ بِهِمَا وَمَنْ تَتَوَّأَ خَيْرًا فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ شَاكِرٌ عَلِيمٌ We saw in between the, 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 the fact of Safa and Marwa on the flat ground level, say she did the, the Ramal process and then from there onwards it was a gradual gradient that she had to climb from from the, where the flat ground was to, to to marwa it wasn't so steep it was gradual but she it, it, it was distant and far she had to climb 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 until she got there to marwa again and she when she got there she had the intention to look to to, to seek to get to the water and when she got there there was no water there and she was looking around she couldn't find anything and she looked up into the sky and she saw the birds flowing but now it seems as if it, as if the birds is on the other side and she went back or it looked on the other side of the mountain as if the the, the, the glare on the, the the sun shining there was what we call the mirage gave the effect of water and she won't went back there and so this is how she moved between Safa and Marwa up and down and up and down until she came, she came from Safa to Marwa, from Marwa to Safa, from Safa to Marwa, from Marwa to Safa, Safa to Marwa, and Marwa to Safa, and Safa to Marwa again. And when she ended at Marwa the last time, she felt that, well, well, well I came to understand that there was nothing. I couldn't find it in any direction, not even, not even with f- seeing the birds and all that, or seeing the mirage. I, and then she walked down slowly, slowly from from Marwa. She came walked down and as if she had as a person giving up hope. But suddenly as she was walking down, she saw something next to the child. And what would happen to any mother where you see a, a foreign vehicle or a foreign a, 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 a creation next to your child? And she rushed, she tried then to rush off to the child. But when she got there, she saw water sparking next to the feet of the, the, the child. The, the, the one rewire indicates to us the child was heating, kicking his feet against the ground and the water came out there, the gush of, gushing of water came there. The other one indicated to us of the fact that a, the malak was standing next to the child and in his hand he had a, something like a sword and he pierced that sword into the ground and as he pulled it out the water gushed up when she got there because of her circumstances the sight of water was bigger than what she saw of the child and, or what she saw of this, this, this animal and, 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 and the fact and she got so excited and she shouted to the, to the water and she said zoom zoom meaning don't run away don't run away meaning keep close keep close and uh, um, she took off the water and she could allow it to go into a little pool and then dive it to take it over to the process of seeing that the Zamzam, the well of Zamzam was then born for the benefit of the people of Makkah which was 
she herself and her son Ismail Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen We've come to the end of this program for now Hoping to be able to carry on tomorrow inshallah And we recite the, fin- the final dua Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim Wal Asr Innal Insana Lafi Husr Illa Alladheena Amanu Wa Amilu Salihat Wa Tawasaw Bil Haqq Wa Tawasaw Bil Sabr Wa Sallallahu Ala Sayyidina Wa Mawlana Muhammadin Wa Ala Alihi Wa Sahabihi Wa Barik Wa Salim Wa Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen That then concludes our program for today Madrasa the Hajj edition Tune in tomorrow inshallah Same time, same place With myself Yasmina Peterson As well as Sheikh Ibrahim Abrams